Some people totally didn't get it and thought it was a bad idea. Other people were like, oh my God, yes, I've been reading about this. I was thinking of starting it myself, but I don't have the time, blah, blah, blah. Count me in. Hey friend, it's David Nabinsky here in New York City. I hope you're doing all right uh, this week. I know that it's been a very difficult week and a lot is on a lot of people's minds and mine included. And I have been thinking a lot about all of this and I'm looking at ways to continue to evolve and develop the show. And I'm always open to feedback from you all. So if there's different voices, ideas, um, things that you think that I could do to adjust the show, please let me know. Always love hearing from you. So thank you so much for your support and your interest in the podcast and my journey. Um, this week's guest is uh, Tony Bachkalupo. Tony was the organizer and general manager and mayor of Manhattan's first co-working location. Um, and I really thought his message and ideas around how to organize, how to uh, bring people together, um, to have conversations, how to start a movement and community around your ideas and your work, um, and how to continue to foster community and how to um, empower community builders um, to amplify the community, ways to organize. Um, he also shared some ideas about how to uh, facilitate Zoom conversations, including ones um, just audio only. He also runs a workshop, um, has facilitated a workshop called Zoom Out, an audio-only gathering. Um, just a really fascinating, brilliant guy as it relates to uh, thinking about communities, and I feel like we need communities and leadership uh, more than ever. And hopefully, this conversation with Tony and his ideas can help your work, your, the communities that you're a part of, and more. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at portfoliocareerpodcast.com. Uh, so excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Tony. Uh, so, Tony, if uh, we were to go to an event tonight, how do you uh, typically introduce yourself? Oh man, that's a great question. Uh, I would say that I am a artist in recovery who is uh, working on getting the hang of that side of himself. But in the meantime, I'm helping people build communities, uh, both in co-working communities and uh, as event and conference organizers in general. Amazing. Um, previously known as the mayor. The mayor of Newark City. That's right. I, uh, I started Manhattan's first co-working space back in 2008, and uh, it was a community effort, sort of a seven-year art project in, uh, in a lot of ways, and uh, an incredible journey. And uh, that kind of led me to the world of uh, helping people build collaborative uh, shared spaces all over the world uh, as a coach and in various other capacities uh, ever since. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but on the... I think I, I learned how kind of some of that got started or, or just some of your general thinking related to that was kind of saying yes to things and then eventually kind of becoming in charge. Uh, and people are asking you, how, how do we get things done and, and how do we kind of move forward? Are you able to speak to that a little bit as, you know, how people can become leaders of projects, take, take ideas to the next level, yeah, just maybe talk through an experience like that for us. Absolutely. So 
In 2007, I had been working from home as a project manager for a web development firm. And it's funny because back then, the idea of working from home was this kind of like radical thing, uh, which is so funny in the context of these days now. But um, I was uh, losing my mind. I wanted to get out. I wanted to be around other people. And uh, at the time, the idea of co-working spaces was around and there were other spaces in other cities, but there weren't any in New York City that I knew of. Um, there were shared kind of office rental spaces and some precursors to co-working, but uh, in the era of laptops and Wi-Fi uh, and people who just wanted to get together to work outside their homes, uh, there weren't any spaces for that in New York City. And so I started getting active in the communities that I could find. There were some informal, uh, there were some informal groups of people getting together in their homes and cafes and things like that. And I just started getting involved. And I did a lot of I did a lot of talking. I did a lot of networking, and I did a lot of listening. And so I talked to people. And what I heard when I talked to them about my story was they were resonating. They were saying, "Oh my God, I work from home too. This is driving me crazy." And so I was establishing some sense of shared language and a shared need. And what I was noticing was that people were talking about the need for a co-working space, but nobody was really stepping up to build it. And so uh, there was an opportunity that came about when a new community was being formed to work out of a cafe space in the East Village uh, on St. Mark's Place, actually. And, uh, and they were kind of recruiting for people to be a part of that. And I was right on top of it. I said, this is exactly what I want. I want in. And so I showed up to the first meeting and I showed up to the next meeting. I showed up to the next meeting. I showed up to every meeting. I basically said yes to everything that needed doing. And before I knew it, I was the only one who had been showing up to all the meetings. And so people started asking me what to do. And so uh, that was how I ended up being in charge of of that community and that would lead to the project to build Manhattan's first co-working space, which was Newark City. Mm. And, and so uh, that's incredible. Uh, I big fan of co-working and obviously when it's truly as a community, it, it really is magical. And uh, I can only imagine what it was like uh, back in the day uh, with that energy, that excitement and stuff. Um, I love how you talked about this idea about this shared language and shared need to then uncover collaboration opportunities etc could you maybe speak to that a little bit more in terms of what that kind of looks like when people are trying to figure out what's next uh how how, how can they how can they take their existing work to the next level yeah maybe talk to us a little bit more about that about uh, like finding collaboration opportunities yeah yeah, I think that a lot of it comes down to trying to get yourself into the right kinds of places. And I think it's it's easy to kind of just kind of sit back and be a consumer and get kind of down on yourself watching other people put stuff out there. And what you want to try to do is put yourself in a place where people are pushing the envelope, they're having conversations about new things and um, where there's needs being expressed. And so if there are people who are talking about what's going on and talking about what's not happening and what needs to be happening, um, that's an invitation to have a deeper discussion. And if you're starting to find that in a given community or in a given kind of area of interest that there seems to be a consistent 
message amongst the people that you're hearing from, then you can start talking to those people about their thoughts about the problem. And a lot of times what you find is people actually have, sometimes people have no idea what to do about a problem. But a lot of times people have a pretty good idea of what to do about it. They just don't necessarily have the ability or the willpower to put that work into action. And so if you have the inclination to say, well, it sounds like there's a solution here and there just needs to be somebody to put enough time and energy and effort into making that solution real, what you can do is go back to those people and say, well, it sounds like based on all the things I've been talking with people about, X, Y, and Z are the things that people are needing. And 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 I, I, I kind of want to see about working on building some of those things. Would you be interested in potentially helping make that happen? And if you're not super far off in your analysis of what's going on, people are going to say, heck yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, tell me where and when, or tell me where to point people. And so you're kind of becoming a vehicle for the will, the collective will of uh, the people that you seek to serve. And, uh, and you'll find that amongst those people, there are, you know, a large number of people who are basically just going to wait in the wings and watch what you're doing for a while. There's some other number of people that are going to show up to your first meeting because they're excited and interested and fewer still who are ready to show up and put in some work and collaborate. And those are some pretty common, you know, distributions of people. Uh, but once you start to kind of think of it that way, you'll find, um, you know, that you can build the relationship with each of those kind of tiers of people as you go and build interest and, and, uh, and, and really, you know, get on track to build something amazing. And just to repeat those, uh, those groups, that's the people that watch people that will attend a little bit and then people that will support and collaborate. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's right. It's some, you know, concentric circles, right. And, uh, it's the earliest adopters and then the early adopters and the, and the mainstream and the laggards and things like that. But it's important to recognize too, when you're wanting to do something new that, not everybody's going to get it at first, and that's fine. A lot of times I deal with somebody who's trying to build, even now still, people who's trying to, who are trying to build their first co-working space in their area. And one of the problems they come to me with is they say, well, I talked to people about this idea, and a lot of them just don't get it. They don't understand what co-working is or, or why it's important or why it's more valuable than renting an office. And I say, you know, look, don't worry about those people. When you encounter somebody who doesn't get it, you can just don't, we don't need to worry about trying to convince those people because they're just not ready yet. They're, you know, for later, if ever. And so you can just tell them like, hey, no problem, totally cool, talk to you in a year or two, right? Because out of the population of people that you're dealing with, some smaller subset are going to get it right away. Maybe they've already been researching the topic. Maybe they're familiar with what's out there. Like when I was in the New York tech community in 2007, talking about this, some people totally didn't get it and thought it was a bad idea. Other people were like, oh my God, yes, I've been reading about this. I was thinking of starting it myself, but I don't have the time, blah, blah, blah. Count me in. Those people are way easier to recruit for something because they're already ready. And if you're trying to build something new that there's a real need for, then those people exist and you should be able to find them in adjacent communities. Um, and if you can't find anybody that gets what you're thinking of doing, then that's a really valuable signal that maybe you need to adjust what it is, you know, that you're, that you're trying to do, adjust your approach to it, um, and find a more accessible entry point. 
And then onto that entry point perspective, you mentioned earlier about being in the room or part of the conversation when real needs are being shared. As somebody that uh, is a gatherer, uh, organizer, maybe talk, talk to us a little bit about what that kind of looks like. How do you go from you know, sending an email or trying to get on the phone or, you know, just how, how do you, what are some ways that people could potentially get into those types of rooms or t- types of those conversations when, you know, sometimes you can't even see them? Sure. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's an especially tricky thing in this day and age with having to do it online. But um, what I do with my clients is I, I kind of go through a more formal process of figuring this out. But uh, generally speaking, First and foremost, communities emerge from other communities. No community starts in a vacuum. Um, communities start when people in other communities see a shared need that that community doesn't fulfill. And so then they, they go off and create their own. So in my example, I was going to tech meetups in the city um, and startup related events, things like that. And I was going to other things. I was going to art events and, and, and all kinds of stuff. but. What I found was, for example, at the New York Tech Meetup, which is the big tech meetup here in the city, there were people who were sharing those needs. And I was I was going to do it and I was networking, I was talking to people. And that's where I found my first collaborators and my first coworkers. And um, so going to adjacent communities where maybe you have your own personal interest is a great starting point. Um, and then on top of that, getting creative about finding other communities. So if I'm at one, a really good community, odds are that is kind of a hub where you're going to find out about other ones. And so you got to kind of chase things around a little bit and, and look for just where interesting conversations are happening. And then it's important to you know get in the conversation and, and, and contribute to the discussion, not in a way that's self-promotional, but in a way that just creates value so that people start to become familiar with your voice and who you are so that you know, maybe people start coming to you. And um, beyond that, I think it's valuable to start tracking relationships. So as you meet people, making a specific spreadsheet of people that you uh, think might be interested in what you want to do and where you met them, et cetera, what, you know, what their, what their relationship to your project could be. And then keeping them posted on what's going on. If you start to get a critical mass of people that you think could be interested in a project, get them together and ask them uh, to engage in a group discussion about it. And again, at that point, you're not necessarily committing to anything. You're not really promoting anything. You're just facilitating conversation. And so that gives you an opportunity to start forming community, really, uh, long before you've even committed to starting to build a product. And that's going to give you so much information about how and whether to proceed with what it is that you're thinking of doing. And so that kind of gets the ball rolling towards increasingly public community building efforts from there. But that's kind of the, the basic structure of, of how I advise people. Yeah, that's really amazing. So it's like first find who's interested and then bring them together and kind of then see where things go from there. And again, to your point, you're not really committing too much. Can you maybe speak to like an example of a project that you worked on and kind of how the potential opportunity kind of surfaced, um, whether that's through running some conferences or events or some kind of freelance and contract work. I feel like it's, it's kind of hard to learn about some 
some of those opportunities, but yet it's uh, stuff that a lot of people like to work on because it has creative control, autonomy, things of that nature. Yeah, what comes to mind is recently when I was doing a group coaching call with members of my co-working managers mastermind cohort, we do a weekly video Q&A. And so I'm in a room with a bunch of co-working space owners who are all asking a bunch of questions and discussing things going on in their world. And this was not long after the whole COVID crisis shut down all of the co-working spaces that we were having this discussion about building community online and how to do that well. And what I realized in the course of that conversation was that a lot of people had a lot of questions about the basic features of Zoom and how to use them and and the more advanced ones um, and how to use them well and, and, and all of that. And also just facilitation techniques for building meaningful connection online. So many people just kind of jumped on Zoom as you know, taking whatever they did before, putting it online and letting people just kind of consume content over video. And that just doesn't really facilitate a great level of connection. And there's all kinds of other ways that you can facilitate a really great level of connection, but you have to bother to get a little bit more creative about how to approach that. And I realized that I just had a lot to say about both of those topics. And it happened to come in at the very end of our meeting that people were starting to ask me a bunch of questions about it. And so, what I told them was, look, I've got a lot more to say about this. Let me write down more of my thoughts and then share more with you later. And so they said, cool. And what I what I then did was I realized, wow, there's something that a lot of people need help with that I happen to have a lot to offer in terms of my own knowledge. Now, it may, not, it may even be that I don't necessarily have the answers, but I'm passionate enough to ask the questions and facilitate the creation of the answers, right? And so I said, okay, I've got something here. So I sat down and I wrote everything I knew about these topics down. And before I knew it, I had an outline for a workshop. And what I realized was uh, that I needed to demonstrate to my members what it looked like to actually facilitate some of these things live. And so what I did was I turned the next week's video Q&A into a paid course. And I invited other people to join and use that as an opportunity to demonstrate to my customers, my members, Uh, what it was like to facilitate a 50 plus person Zoom meeting that had connective exercises and things like that. And, um, and I put that out there and it struck a chord and it, you know, I got, you know, a fair number of people to sign up for the first course. And so uh, that I think was a pretty good encapsulation of in a very short order, noticing a need, noticing that I have some way of contributing to addressing that need. And then executing on that and and getting a positive result mm. nice yeah is that, uh, is that kind of what you were looking for yeah that, that, that's perfect um so speaking of zoom we're talking on zoom just audio what would you say is and i know you have a course on it and stuff but what would you say is maybe one or two things that you know where, where do you think is an opportunity for people to explore uh learning a little bit more about some of the extensive bells and whistles of, of zoom Yeah, well, I'll say two things. One, there are a lot of great bells and whistles to Zoom. It's kind of a miraculous product because um, for 15 bucks a month, you could run an entire conference on it if you know how to use the tools right. And you can facilitate really great, meaningful gatherings just using breakout rooms, using some of the other features. Uh, So it's, it's really a matter of how you use the tool. And I... 
I, I've been monitoring lots of other tools and there are some people working on some really interesting things around creating a sense of place uh, because right now Zoom doesn't really give you a great way of giving people the ability to kind of have the experience of like going and sitting down at a table and meeting somebody new. Um, but other apps are working on that. But Zoom basically uh, gives you the ability to do a lot largely because of breakout rooms. Uh, and breakout rooms, if you know how to facilitate that process really well, can get people talking to each other and connecting deeply. If you give them a good prompt, give them some time to open up to each other and, uh, and then give them the ability to come back and share what they've learned. So you can use breakout rooms for one-on-one -on -one meetings. You can use breakout rooms for giant gatherings. Uh, one unconference that I worked last month uh, we actually use breakout rooms to uh, facilitate conversations in rooms of 25 people each with hundreds of people in the space, uh, and each room was its own group discussion. And so the trick with breakout rooms is that they're very finicky, so you have to be very careful about how you use the features. There's certain controls uh, that you don't see unless you click in the right place, and you can't change or view once you've created the breakout rooms. So you don't wanna be facilitating an event and have everyone in breakout rooms and realize you don't actually know how the rooms are set up because you didn't double check your settings before you open them up. So things like that, I kind of go over in the workshop that I created. Um, but the gist is, you know, get comfortable with the tools and you can do a lot with them. Uh, but what I will say is that we already see massive amounts of Zoom fatigue. And I think where there's so much unexplored opportunity is if you look at what you're trying to achieve from a design perspective and just step back and say, okay, what am I as an organization trying to achieve? What are my core values? What's my basic mission here? And then who's my audience and what are their needs right now? Maybe their basic needs that you're trying to serve are generally the same as they were before, but now they have these additional constraints around they're stuck at home, they might be dealing with kids or with family or with being in a less than ideal situation for video, um, or they're just dealing with the fact that it's a massive crisis out there right now. And so synchronous live video is maybe not the most advisable thing to be piling onto people's plates right now. So what if I tried to build community with minimal reliance upon synchronous video? Impossible? Maybe, but I think right now we have very much underestimated the power of the telephone, of texting, of mail, uh, and, and of physical packages, things like that. And of course, things like chat and other, other kinds of you know, synchronous kind of connection tools. But I did last month, I facilitated a phone only social gathering and um, I used Zoom to facilitate it, but everyone else just dialed a phone number. And once they dialed it in, they uh, interacted with each other entirely through the phone with me acting as the switchboard operator. So I'd actually put people into breakout rooms one-on-one -on -one to have a conversation with each other over the phone. And then I would pull them back out into group discussions and the back in and so forth. And people had the most amazing time. And so uh, my collaborator on the project, uh, Kat Beos, is going to be leading the next one on June 11th, and uh, hopefully we'll do some more soon. Uh, but there's a lot you can do there. And even to take it further, and I'm really excited to try this at some point, I want to see if it's possible to build a community without any of it. Like literally just over sending each other postcards, handwritten letters, uh, maybe even physical packages, things like that. 
because if we're all going to be stuck in our homes, the fact that we have a very cheap and affordable mail system to ferry physical things between us could be a really, really cool way to foster connection. That's fascinating. Uh, I, uh, I knew about Zoom Out, your, your, the event that you ran. And so then obviously I wanted to honor that. And, you know, here we are just talking audio only. Um, it is really interesting about the difference. Uh, and I think to your point about people just kind of jumped into live video and phone and audio only is really, uh, can be really amazing. And that's so cool that to hear about the breakout groups. I, I was immediately thinking about that. Like, could you do that? But yeah. I had to test it out. I wasn't even sure if you could do it, but Zoom actually has really great controls for the phone. So if you're calling into a meeting and you get put in a breakout room, a voiceover will tell you that you've been moved to a breakout room. They'll tell you you'll be moving back. They give you some minimal controls. I would love for them to be able to go further with it, but the minimal product that they have is still quite effective if you learn how to how to use it. Yeah, uh, cool. Another thing I wanted to talk about was you know, I think to some extent, a lot of people have communities, but I know that some people get, call it community building fatigue. And I know that you like to really help people uh, kind of grow their community by empowering other people to uh, step up. Uh, can you maybe talk to, talk to me a little bit about that? I think there's some applications to just broader levels in terms of how people could be stuck on certain things, kind of empower community builders, so to speak. Yeah, I think there's so much untapped opportunity in the realm of learning how to empower people to self-organize. So I saw this with co-working, which is a decentralized open source movement. The people who started the first co-working spaces very deliberately open sourced everything they did and invited and encouraged people to copy the idea. And that's how I was able to start a co-working space. That's the reason the word is a household name. Uh, If the people who started it you know, bought it and tried to hold on to it and control it, then they wouldn't have gotten very far. And so the idea of taking a very basic recipe for an effective way of gathering and making that eminently available for others to remix and reuse really allows you to grow in an unbelievable way uh, beyond what you could control or imagine um, and, and really have a tremendous impact. And it's something I feel very passionate about that communities should be looking for ways to do that for their for their people. Um, and within your community, you can do this as well, not just on this kind of global open scale, but inside of your space as well. So you can say, within this community, this is how you can express an interest in leading something. And, and this is how we can uh, go about giving you the encouragement and the platform to be able to continue that. So if somebody in my old co-working space came to me and said they wanted to organize an event, I would say, great, awesome. I want nothing more than for members to do this kind of thing. This is exactly how I'm going to support you and cheerlead you and, and, and help you make this successful. And so in that way, I'm really nurturing a, a leaderful culture, which makes it feel a heck of a lot more like a real community and not just, you know, a, uh, a bunch of customers that we like to imagine as a community, which is what a lot of them are right now. And I'll also say that, especially in this day and age, because of what's going on, everything being difficult for a lot of people, I think it's also important to give yourself some permission to let yourself be tired and not necessarily exhaust yourself trying to maintain the same level of activity that you did before. And I think 
if you can give people the ability to connect to each other at the frequency and level that works for them, then you can step back a little bit and let people figure it out for themselves. And so, for example, in some cases in your design process, you might conclude after talking to the members of your community that the best thing you can do as a community organizer is not to try to gather your community too much. That what your community needs now as much as ever is to maybe mostly be left alone. And maybe what you need is to not try to overtax yourself doing stuff. And so what if you instead played the role of facilitating the ability for members to connect to each other on their own terms? And that could be as simple as creating a shared document that your whole community has access to where people can express what kind of connection they want, what kind of frequency, what kind of medium, and then they can pair off on some kind of a rhythm, like let's say once a month or whatever, you can facilitate this process. And then people can one-on-one form communication buddies. And in that way, for example, the parents that are dealing with kids at home and homeschooling and or maybe just dealing with too many video calls already could decide, hey, we're just gonna check in with each other twice a day over text message. We don't have time for video calls, but we need to be able to vent. We need to be able to have some basic accountability. So let's just check in twice a day to see how we're doing and provide some support. And if we wanna get on a video call or something, we totally can, but um, we wanna stay connected. We have the constraint that we can't do it over a lot of video, but we can still not feel alone. And so if you as the community manager think of yourself more as a community facilitator, then you can create the space for people to opt into those kinds of connections in ways that are friendly to them. And then you can just step back and help people, you know, troubleshoot and and iron out issues as they come up. Um, So you might actually end up being a lot more effective uh, without trying to, you know, act like the cruise director providing the community programming to everyone all the time. Amazing. Um, As an organizer, as, you know, conferences, events, dinners, co-working, uh, I can imagine a bunch of people often come to you and say, Hey, Tony, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about doing this next, or I'm kind of stuck here. Um, any thoughts on some, some like general kind of career advice and stuff that you've been, uh, help guiding people through some of these, uh, difficult transitions? Whew, yeah. I mean, I would say that in terms of the general helping people navigate kind of difficult times right now, uh, that comes down to your own process of getting to know yourself better, uh, understanding what your needs are and where you're at with everything. Everybody has their own kind of like wellness journey to go on and all of that. But you know, at the end of the day, we're all trying to understand ourselves better and who we are and what our needs are. And the more that we can make space to really investigate that and consider what the answers could be, the more that we might find good answers. So for example, right now, I'm in a place where I'm not as much emphasizing my work as a co-working expert. I've got a lot that I could be doing in that direction, but I have other interests as well. And there's a part of me that just so badly wants to super go hard at sell, sell, sell myself as like a virtual community expert or, you know, something else. And um, I'm just not ready to do that yet. 
I'm not ready to go hard in that direction. And that's just where I'm at. But what I am ready to do is experiment and explore and try things and see how that feels for me, see what kind of response I get from others, and then use that to give me information and to help me build confidence and interest and capacity to maybe get to that place where I'm going to get more serious about you know hustling and pushing hard and selling stuff. But if I don't examine that, if I don't step back for a second and and look at what's really going on in my body and in my heart and in my mind, I might shame myself into trying to hustle and then shame myself for failing when the truth is that my body's just not into it right now. <laughs> so, you know, making room to be compassionate with yourself and listening to what you're really needing and, uh, and, and, and allowing yourself to wonder a little bit on that, I think is, is paramount. Um, and then the other part of the equation is just talking to people, maintaining conversation. So if you're, you know, you're not sure what the next move is to make with an existing project, you can never go wrong talking to people directly, talking to your community members, talking to uh, other people who you think might have something to contribute and listening to what they have to tell you. And a lot of times the answers are waiting in the heads of other people uh, and, and if you talk to them and, and, and listen to them, they will very often tell you something that will make the answers more apparent. Amazing. Okay. Um, we talked a lot of, a lot here, Tony. Uh, um, yeah. Anything else that you think about as, you know, as people have a portfolio of work, um, you know, kind of developing a lot of different things. Um, any thoughts there? Well, I'd say that, in general, it's just great if folks can try to be compassionate with themselves, practice you know, understanding themselves better, and then look for ways to connect with other people or, or facilitate the connection between people around something that people are trying to figure out together. We're in a place right now where there's a lot of people stressed out about a lot of things that they don't have a lot of power over. But there are a lot of things that a lot of people do have a lot of power over, especially if they resolve to working on those things together. And so the more you can think about in what way can I act as a vehicle for people to find solutions to challenges together, you're going to head in fruitful territory, especially if that direction is something that is valuable and important to you personally as well. So the more that you're kind of looking for those ways to be generative and positive, um, the more good things are going to happen, even if you don't exactly know what the heck to do or where you're going or how it's going to turn into business. The beauty of the Internet is that you can build social capital just by sharing and trying to generate value in some way. And so if you can take whatever it is that you have, talent or passion or interest, and put yourself out there in a way that is genuinely uh, meant to be of service to people in, in some way that, that resonates, then you're going to build social capital, you're going to build interest, you're going to build relationships. And that can lead to positive business outcomes in ways you can't possibly predict. And so, uh, you know, that's kind of a good thing to count on when you don't necessarily know what to do next is to just listen for that and, and move forward in a way that's, that's positive and helpful and constructive. And, um, and then, you know, you'll, you'll end up somewhere better. 
<laughs> Amazing. I think that's just a, an inspiring message to, to leave listeners with here. Um, please let them know how they can uh, follow up and learn more and support some of your uh, many efforts, Tony. Sure. So um, my name is a little hard to spell, but my website is TonyBacciagalupo.com, uh, T-O-N-Y-B-A-C-I-G-A-L-U-P-O. Um, Bachi means kiss, lupo means wolf, Bachi Galupo means kiss of the wolf. So TonyBachiGalupo.com. Uh, the easier thing might be to find me on social media. It's Tony Be Good, T-O-N-Y-B-G-O-O-D-E. And I've been tweeting a lot about a lot of the things I've been working on recently. Uh, I have a crash course in organizing online, which covers Zoom and facilitation techniques. Um, I'm working on a sponsorship workshop for online events. And um, bunch of other stuff by the time somebody listens to it i'll probably have made something new but i also help people with co-working stuff uh on my company website nwc.co and uh yeah excited to help folks uh with their online events uh, in any way that i can and uh yeah that that pretty much covers it for now amazing thank you so much tony really appreciate it you got it david it's a pleasure thanks for having me absolutely thank you hey friend thanks again for tuning in to another episode of portfolio career podcast Wanted to also let you know about my monthly newsletter called One Email Away, where I fundamentally believe that we are all one email away from new opportunities. And if there's a way that I could potentially help you to connect with other people, I would love to do that. So one email away, um, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website at PortfolioCareerPodcast.com. You can also see the one email away section, but just want to take this moment to say thank you for for listening to this episode. Really excited for us to build and grow our portfolio careers together.